We are dads. We're good at fixing stuff, making things, being funny and downright bloody awesome. But sometimes we don't stop to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, bloody hell, mate, pull your socks up. It's time to work on becoming the best bloke you can be. Gather around, fellas, and welcome to the Yarn Barn. This is your new school. So take notes, listen, and smother yourself in everything that you hear. Join me, Liam Sorrell, your host and CEO of the Australian Dads Network as I yarn with men and women that are at the top of their game and are stoked to share their tools and wisdom with you. So all you got to do now is sit back, relax, enjoy the conversation. Hey Corey, how are you today, mate? Yeah, really good, man. Really good. Awesome. Thanks for joining us on a, another episode of the Australian Dads Network podcast. It's good to have you on board. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, man, to um, come on and have this conversation and connect with your, uh, with your audience. Yeah, excellent. We've seen other guys will, guys will know your name uh, because it's a, it's a fairly unique name. And I'm not going to try and say your surname because I'll probably just <laughs> dodge it up. But, um, yeah, it's, um, you're, you're very active inside the network and it's, it's, I'm grateful for that because you have so much uh, value to be able to share to the guys. And it's, um, you can definitely tell that there's guys that resonate with your message and, and the videos and, and shares that you put through the group. So uh, firstly, thank you for that because it's, uh, it's guys like yourself. And, and there, are, uh, there are many guys out there that have um, so much value to give, whether they know it or not. It's really important to have the guys that's, that do share inside the group doing that because it opens it up to other guys to be able to do that too. It gives guys permission to be able to share their story as well. So appreciate that, mate. Thanks, man. I appreciate that as well, man. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we um, it's I, I observe this in my men's groups all the time, man. Like when someone opens up, there's always two or three people in the room that say, "Oh, that's happening in my life. I thought I was the only one." Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty common common theme, man. So yeah, it's um, yeah, just I think being open and vulnerable as a man kind of it really does give other men permission to go, oh. Yeah, I feel that. And sometimes they don't engage, you know, you might run into someone in the, the local shop and they go, hey, man, that video you did on your kids misbehaving, I really resonated with that. And now I'm trying this with my kids, you know, so it's kind of like it's um, it's interesting. The the feedback you get on social media isn't necessarily always the um, the impact that you're having more often than not. So, yeah, yeah it's and- just important to share the message. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of impact, we just talked briefly before this, and and you shared a um, a post in the group today, a video of from the WA Men's Gathering, and just to, I suppose to give the scope of the people that are interested in this stuff and may not necessarily interact on a a post that goes out. Uh, you know, you may see a post that goes out and it might get five likes or whatever, but it's it's not about that. If you look deeper into it, you can see that there is so many so many people that are actually watching or, or reading um, when you go back into the, the analytics of, of uh, yeah. Facebook and you can see the, po- the posts and stuff. And, and I see it in the dad's network as well. And we've got uh, 1,300 members in the group now. And, and when you look at some of those insights to see sort of where the guys are um, leaning more towards as far as the conversations, you can see that there's, there's over 1,000 active members that are actually participating, whether they're commenting or liking posts, it's, it's not really the, the key driver it's it's how many guys are actually reading and, and looking at the posts and the videos yeah and that's um and you you did that today you there was a post that you um you posted across social media that ended up having almost ten thousand people that interacted with it so that's um that's pretty significant yeah absolutely man like the the wa men's gathering that's on at the moment i'm just really been driving driving that at the moment just to not because I want to facilitate it just because I think that's an opportunity for men it's really good value for men to kind of connect and have conversations and and be in a space with other men and it's not about like it's actually totally removed from social media essentially right it's just a bunch of men sitting around having conversations and connecting and engaging which I think is what what men need it's what society needs really it's about community and tribe and creating connections and 
you know, there, there might be someone who becomes your best mate from this from this gathering. You just don't you just don't know, right? Exactly. So it's, um, yeah. yeah, a lot of men are isolated and they have no. They have networks, but they don't have anyone to have real conversations with, right? So I guess that's what I'm all about: facilitating spaces for, for men to have safe, feel safe to have open conversations about what's really going on below the um, the conversation of the weather and the football. Yeah, yeah, which is which is that surface level stuff, and we need to get deeper than that. And uh, and it is the last sort of, um, I suppose, eighteen to twenty four months. We've seen a lot of a, a bit of a spike in 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 these sort of gatherings and and these um, Facebook groups, especially. Um, there's there's tons out there, especially for dads, which is really awesome. And from uh, what I've uh, the guys that I've spoken to in various different dads uh, groups and and whatnot, and especially in the dads network, there's there's no competition. And that's what I love about it. It's everyone's working for the same same goal, doing it in their own different way. And um, I mean, there's guys in the group. I got a message from uh, one of the guys in the group who's um, he works for the uh, direct advice for dads, and he just gave me a message saying, "Been in the group for a little while and, and love what you guys are doing." So it's and, and we're all contributing to the same message, and I think that's I think that's really important. And the more and more we do this the more conversation that's going to be had around men's mental health, suicide prevention, all these, uh, all these things that are, have awesome results, positive results if we actually talk about them. So before we go any further, I suppose we, we've, we've done a, uh, a little bit of a conversation already around what you do. And, um, but who are you? What's, where's your story come from? What's your situation as far as your family? And uh, just for the guys that don't know too much about your, uh, your life at the moment, what's, what's the story of Corey? The story of Corey is I am, I've been married 19 years um, and I've got two boys who are 11 and 10 and totally different beasts to each other. One is um, kind of the gentle, kind kid and the other one's a bit outrageous and et cetera, et cetera. So they, yeah, they're just amazing boys. Like just watching that energy and how they, how they get together and how they interact and socialize and, and whatnot's been really it's just amazing nurturing two little human beings to um grow up into into what I determine to be to be good men, you know, like just creating those value systems for them to be be the best men that they can be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um What's what's the age gap there? Because my boys are fifteen months apart. Well, they're that... three years or yeah, two and a half years between them. So Yeah, cool. It's yeah. um yeah, it's close enough, but it's big enough, so yeah, so I definitely know that that clashing that can come. That's for sure. With two different personalities that's so close together. Yeah, yeah, they certainly fight. I get it's easy to get frustrated with um with their fighting sometimes. Like they're so kind to everyone around them, and then with each other, they're just like getting these battles, you know. So it's kind of just stepping back and just the question I ask is like, are you making a good choice right now? Are you being kind to each other? Um, and just trying to kind of lead them. In, into that space mm-hmm. um so yes yeah, so that's my family i guess i um my story is that i was a i guess i was in the corporate world i was in sales and marketing and branding and in the construction industry and i was very 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 good at what i did because i was a uh, i guess i would say i was a professional bullshit artist <laughs> um i had a mate one day who was like my best mate in the world and um we were in a group setting and he said, Corey's a good guy, but I only believe 10% of everything he says. Ouch. And um, yeah, it was a real kick in the head actually. And um, But I kind of started from that moment on, I started really reflecting on what is, like who am I and how do I want to be in the world? And um, I was kind of, I guess I was ultimately forced into into a life change. So I was involved in a, in a workplace accident not long after that that incident where my mate kind of called me out in a, in a group setting and um, someone died in my arms. I ended up with PTSD. So basically my life just, just fell apart. So that happened five years ago. And um, I wouldn't, like even 18 months ago, 12 months ago, I wouldn't be able to speak like yeah. without tearing up about it. Like it's really taken a lot of work to kind of process and, and move through that space. No, I think I, I, I think I saw that then when you you just took a big swallow and put your hand on your chest. I think that's it's still very real to you, isn't it? Oh man, the anniversary, you know, like I, yeah, I've got I've got a 
I'll, I'll go into my story, but yeah, it's very real. So death has kind of been something that's been really eminent in my life over the last few years. But I kind of had this this experience where someone died in my arms where I blamed myself for it because this guy that was working for me, he kind of followed me around my career. He just kept coming to me and getting jobs and I'd kind of fire him because he was an alcoholic and then I'd rehire him and then I'd fire him and rehire him. And then on the morning of the job, I was actually in the factory and I'd said, hey man, I need you to move this stuff to get it out for this customer. And um, he got crushed underneath that steel that I'd just told him to move. Um, and I was kind of first on the scene and like I basically held him till he took me last breath essentially, you know, so it, um, it really sent me on this spiritual journey of like uh, discovering who I was, how I can be a better person. Like I kind of had, I guess PTSD, right. Is, is that my brain box was just broken. Right. So there was all this trauma from childhood and et cetera, et cetera, that needed to be repacked. That was just out in the open. So it was kind of like, going through that journey of finding the right psychologist, finding, you know, the right medication, you know, like I fought the medication for so long. Like I just said, I don't want meds. Like I can do this, you know, and I made a conscious choice. I didn't want to take drugs and that included alcohol, drugs, like marijuana and it included pharmaceuticals, you know, like I was just black and white that I'm not going on drugs. And, um, end up having a psychologist or a psychiatrist basically say to me, Hey man, you like, you gave me this analogy of the soldier in the hole, like you're a soldier in the hole. You know, I can come past as a psychiatrist and say, Hey, you need to get out of the hole or, and then an hour later I'm going to leave. And then an officer is going to come past and say, jump in the hole with you and say, Hey, you need to get out of the hole and then jump out of the hole. And he goes, then you've got a mate who jumps in the hole with you and they dig you out. And that's what the meds are. The meds are to dig yourself out of the hole. Right. And, um, but the problem is that the perception of the medical fraternity is that once you're on the meds, you're on it for life. So I'd kind of gone to my GP and my psychiatrist and said, look, like, I'm feeling good. I want to go off the meds. And they're like, no, you're feeling good because you're on the meds. Mm-hmm. So I was in this situation where they, I was kind of plateaued and stuck where I wasn't feeling happy. I wasn't feeling sad. I was just flat, right? Like I just didn't have any capacity to feel feel emotion and then when you did feel emotion it was like it was massive you know like and then it's like you go to the doctor see we told you he's a he's he's a heavier dose of medication right so you end so up getting the, the, the emotion that you feel would it be typically uh, you'd be down or up with the meds? oh no never That's, up yeah so it was just you'd either be plateauing or just just leveled off or deep dive Back yeah, level off, level off or rock bottom, you know, like with yeah. PTSD, like you get night sweats, you know, so like, and it's not like, it's not like you got to sweat, it's like you're in a pool of water, right? Like that's what my experiences was. So, and I just stunk, you know, so I'd have to wake my wife up and say, babe, I need you to leave the room. And I grab all the sheets and put them in the washing machine at 1am in the morning and then make fresh bed, you know, I was doing that seven days a week. Like, so I just needed to find, like, why is my body doing this? So I started looking for coaches and outside of the normal realm of of coaching, really. So I started going, okay, I need to fix this. What I'm doing now is not working. So I started seeing other coaches and doing programs. And so it was really just stepping into a realm of beyond psychology and just, you know, doing the standard psychology practices, you know, like, when you do this, this is what's happened. So you should do this differently next time. Then that won't happen. Like that's kind of standard psychology. And um, for me, I really need to go back into my inner child and like really heal all that past wounding and all this anger and resentment that I had held onto and that I was just releasing into the world. I'd observed how my parents were and then I was just exactly the same as that because that's what I knew, right? Mm -hmm. So it was really about just going in and healing all that inner child and really just connecting into the, into like who I am and how, how I want to be in the world and creating that calmness. And yeah, I've got a few steps that I'll, we can talk about in a minute around how I started that process of like, okay, I'm angry. This is when I get angry. How do I deal with that? And then letting it go and letting it go and being calmer, being like, choosing to be off the meds and being flat in the world. So 
Um, essentially, I was working this guy for four weeks, and then I um, I went off the meds. I just threw him in the bin, and um, and I ended up getting about at day six, day seven. I got really sick after a deep session with him, and I rang him up and said, "Look, man, I'm like, I'm going to die. I've got this like headache. I really thought I was going to die from." From the um, it was like my neural pathways was just starting to remap because I was so because I was choosing to do something different, right? So my neural pathways were just remapping. He said, "Just go to the ocean." I went to the ocean and it just the headaches just went away. I just felt better, and then I just started really from there, just starting to like show up differently, journaling about what was going on, so sharing my experience in a journal with myself every day, and just writing about it, and going to the ocean, and just really connecting back into nature, and just really finding space for me to be to be calm mm. and, um, so yeah. one yeah one of the things i was uh, i was thinking there because that's i mean thanks for sharing that um that story and and that part of your life which obviously was that was a life-changing moment where you lost a colleague in in your arms and that is that incident was a trigger to start thinking about the uh, the past before that. So your PTSD, you said, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I sort of gathered there, the PTSD was was created obviously from that incident, but from things that or things from the past came into that as well. Is that so? PTSD is not like a moment in time, right? That was mm. just the that was just the hammer that broke the egg, right? Okay, all right. That's P- that's yeah. PTSD is a series of events that create a rotten egg. So you have like you might have a lifetime of events that have just let up, let up, let up, and you you just you're just an angry person, right? And you don't know why you're angry, but you're just angry all the time. You don't understand it, and that's just who you are. So you're kind of like that's just who I am, and then you create these masks like I'm going to be happy guy, I'm going to be best salesman in the world, I'm going to be. So you can have all these masks on, but mm. If someone spends enough time with you, at some point they get to see the real version of you that's mask-free. And I really didn't like who that version was, right? I wanted to be this version without the mask. So essentially, as you go through these experiences in life, you start to put on masks. So I get rejected from my mother, so I need to wear this mask of fake happiness all the time. I need to be in relationships all the time. Like you break up, like my history before I met my wife was... I'd break up and I'd be with someone and break up and be with someone because I always had to have someone in my life to feel safe, right? So we spend our life putting these lenses on and what the PTSD did, it gave me an opportunity to go, okay, well, I want to take all these lenses off now. I'm speaking to psychologists, I'm doing this work and et cetera, et cetera. And then you need to unpack, you know, you're not going to unpack 20 years or 30 years of shit in five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. It just takes time, you know, physical exercise is the same, you know, you put on eight kilos, 20 kilos over three or four years, you're not going to lose it in, in six weeks, you know, six weeks to the perfect body. It's not six six weeks to the perfect mind, you know, it's the same thing. You just need to do the work. You need to step into that fear and step into your courage and go, okay, I'm angry. But I'm not. Why am I angry? What, what's what's un, what's un, angry is just the final result, right? There's something sitting underneath that. So what is that? What's sitting underneath that? And then what's sitting underneath that? So when your son or daughter. So for me, when my son, if he would if he would respond back to me in a way that was disrespectful, my response would be respect your elders in a way that wasn't kind, right? because that's what my father did, right? So I felt angry because my father repressed me in that way as a child, you know. Mm-hmm. You sit in the corner, you be quiet. So then all of a sudden I have this expectation that I deliver that to my kid and when he doesn't do it, I feel angry. So like, that's just an example, right? So you mm-hmm. don't... So you have to unpack what's below the anger and then what's below that and what's below that. And it's just like peeling an onion, right? Mm-hmm. And you just get deeper and deeper. So there's always work to do essentially yeah it's and yeah so i suppose you can get to that you can get to that six-week body and feel good for that moment can't you and then all of a sudden you go back to that you repeat that cycle you go back to that that shit lifestyle eating shit food drinking again whatever it might be and then you've just got to 
you hit a rock bottom again and you've got to come back to that again and do another program or whatever it is. But if you're putting in the work every single day, if you set up something that's sustainable for you and, and think long-term instead of short-term, like I want the Christmas body, no, think like you want a lifestyle body, then yeah, you're going to yeah. you're gonna put in the processes in place to make yourself healthy long-term. And that's the same for mental health, isn't it? You could put the, put the work in yeah. every day to think of how you're going to make things better for you long-term instead of just... I'll just go and see a psychiatrist or a psychologist for six sessions because that's all the government give me and I'll be happy. And then that's the job done. Um, it's not the case, yeah. is it? Well, happiness is an inside job, right? People are always looking outside for happiness, mm. but it's, it can't be found there. You know, it might be the guy who buys a brand new bike every 12 months or upgrade their car every 12 months or whatever, you know, like they there's a pattern there and they're doing that for a reason, right? Because when you buy a new bike or a new car, it gives you an endorphin hit, makes you feel good. Two weeks, three weeks, whatever, four weeks later, that's gone. Mm. I need the latest phone. I need the latest, you know, like, so yeah, we don't create that in a, in a, in a happiness. Then we'll, we'll always be seeking external validation. Yeah. Essentially, you, you know, do you think that there's uh, cause a lot of, a lot of stories out there, a lot of people out there have a, a moment that, you know, is that, that change of, of their life. You know, it takes them on a different tra- trajectory. Do you think that that's something that we all need to go through? Do we all need to go through some sort of, uh, and definitely not as significant as yours, I would, uh, uh, that, is, uh, that is extremely full on. But is there, is there a moment that people need to have for them to say, all right, I need to change something. Enough's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a good question, man. If I had the answer, I'd be a millionaire, right? <laughs> um, it's something that I ask myself often. How can I help men change their lives without going through what I went through? Like that is the underlying driver for everything I do. Um, so don't, I don't know. I feel like you need to go through some pain and suffering to come out the other end. And the problem is that people are scared to choose pain and suffering, right? So sometimes we need pain and suffering forced upon us. Mm. And then when that happens, even then people don't always choose to make the change, right? So there's four people involved in that incident with me. Three of them went to drugs and alcohol and I went down a path of I'm broken. I need to repair myself and rebuild myself differently. So even in that situation, at some point, those guys will come back to that moment in time and break down about it. But as far as I know, they haven't done any of that. I know when that first happened, you know, the conversation they had with me was fucking toughen up and get back to work. Mm. These, are the guys, these are guys that were standing next to me in the moment, you know. Well, I can't even do this. I just can't be in this environment at all, you know. So I think men... If you're unhappy, right, in, in your life, right, I'm just talking to the audience now, if you're unhappy in your life, the only person who has a capacity to make that different is you. So you can choose. So a good way to start, right, a good way to start, if you're angry all the time, right, and it's really hard to catch yourself when you're in moments, so your wife might trigger you or your son or whoever in your life, your mum, your father, there's someone that triggers you, right? If you get triggered by that, I can guarantee you get triggered by the guy who cuts you off in the car when you're driving, right? The road rage incidents. Mm-hmm. We spoke about this in our men's group last night. We are talking about road rage. And the guy said, yeah, I just go, oh, you dickhead, and I just let it go. What I said to him is, what if you could look at it even beyond that? So what if you can look at that road rage incident beyond? So someone's done something stupid and you go, oh, I wonder what's going on for that person in that car that they felt the need to cut me off today. You know, do they have a sick mother? Are they rushing to hospital? Have they been called because their kid's sick at school? Like what, what's happening for them in that moment? And that may or may not be the case, but if we can look at what's going on for other people from a place of compassion, all of a sudden we can let go of that anger because it's not about us anymore. It's mm. about the bigger picture, right? And when we have, when we look at the bigger picture with compassion and gratitude, we create internal happiness for ourselves. 
that's the exact same scenario that you were giving then about the, the road rage. That's the exact same scenario that came into my head that you, you guys, or that you touched on that guy yesterday. And I've been that guy, 100% road rages. I grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne, so it's part of getting your license is you have to do a road rage test. And But now over here, like, you know, it takes me four minutes to get to work and still occasionally I would find myself going, why is this guy up my ass? You know, like, what's, what's going on here? And then I, I, it was only maybe a month ago where I did that switch and I don't know where it came from, but maybe I was thinking of, my kids and if i needed to get to the hospital because i drive past the hospital to get to work from home and i thought that exact same scenario that you said and and started to think i wonder if you know i wonder if that person behind me in a single lane road is trying to get to the hospital you know so i'm not going to speed up and or move over to the dirt to let them get past but it's just that thought process to be all right, so that could be that could be the scenario. So I'm not going to get angry. I'm just going to when I get an opportunity to move over, I'll let them go past and and just ignore. Yeah. It. Just just let it happen. Let life continue that way. Let them if they're angry or if they've got an emergency, then that's their life going past me doing their thing, and I'm not going to interfere as much as I can. But yeah, that's uh, it, it is it's it, that's a really um, a, I suppose a simple way to put a, a potentially challenging problem for someone that does have. Uh, anger problems focus on what you can do to make the situation a little bit better yeah well getting angry is not going to help so they did a so there's they did a test on they got people angry right so they took them into like a, a sale scenario and they um and they treated the people really poorly and got them really angry in that moment right so and then when they were really angry they sent half the group into a smash room where they got the smash stuff and then they sent the other half into a room where they just sat quietly on a chair. And then they measured their anger after the, after, the, after the situation. And the people who sat calmly had forgotten about what had happened in the, in the, in the um, retail room. And the people who went and smashed off were holding on to it and were still angry about it. So when we feel angry, the best action is no action, right? It's not verbiage. It's not smashing things. The best action is just to go, I just need to take a deep breath here. And three deep breaths can just calm your whole nervous system. Mm. So if we can just pause and take three deep breaths and ask the question, why am I feeling this way? We can start to like, Hey, not react and then that becomes starts becoming a new neural pathway for us because when we feel that emotion rolling up we automatically start shifting that you know but we need to do it with little things so we need to start small right we're not going to be able to go i'm triggered by my wife and i can stop that right now we can go oh i'm in my car i'm feeling angry because this person cut me off oh, actually, I don't need to be angry right now. And then we can transfer that and just keep escalating it. It's like knocking dominoes over. Eventually, all the dominoes get knocked over and you start feeling feeling more content and happy about yourself. Yeah, so it's about having, it's about having the tools available and the knowledge available to you that um, you know, potentially you just need to speak to someone about to figure out what those tools could be. Because someone that's just come out of, wherever that's still angry or still has some issues that they may or may not need know that they need to work on yet. It's they need something, one thing to start that. So a tool. So it might be some, something so simple as just having, having that. All right. When you, when you feel like you're going to, you want to punch the steering wheel or you want to, you know, just smash your hand up against the table, do this one thing. And it might be whatever, just thinking about something or taking a deep breath. It's just a matter of knowing that, isn't it? So like that's, that's probably one of the biggest struggles for men, isn't it? Just knowing what to do. Yeah, I think one of the biggest struggles for men is to know, to know what to do. To even know, like, we have conversations in our men's group about what does it mean to be a man? How am I meant to be a man in my household? You know, how do I lead without being aberrant? <laughs> you know, so yeah, it comes back to like the tools and having conversations around how to communicate, you know, like at that level. But 
if you if you've got anger issues, like just acknowledge you have anger issues and go and speak to someone about it. You know, whether you share in a men's group and release it, like a diary is a great way to just release information out of your head. You're just sharing it with a with a book, right? You're sharing it with yourself. And it just allows it to get out. And sometimes I'll write something and I'll screw it up and burn it because I don't, you know, I don't want to reread it. It's released. I've let it go. Yeah. You know, but people really need to be like, that's why the men's gathering and the men groups are so important, right? Because it gives men an opportunity to like, A, learn skills, but B, just to be open and vulnerable. And they can start, that's where it starts, right? It starts with men being open and vulnerable, whether it's with a psychologist or whether it's in the Australian Dad Network or whether it's in the men's circle of men or whether it's in with a good mate or whether it's whatever it is. The reality is if you can't be honest with yourself about what you're going through and about the changes that you know you need to be made to make in your life, then they're not going to take them it's extreme ownership right of your own shit you know jocko willing i mean he's i'm not a big fan of it because he's extreme in his posturing but his message if you soften that message it's a powerful message right because the only person who can control what we're going through is us so it's about going okay what would it look like for me to be open you know like and maybe just dipping your toes in the water and so going to your best mate and saying, hey, man, I'm, I have this anger issue, you know. But it's also about, I think as men, as we do the work, right, if we just let other men behave in those ways, are we any better than them, right? Like this is the question that I ask myself, you know. I've got people that I don't associate with anymore. And I didn't just cut ties. I had conversation with them and said, hey, man, like when you behave in this way in public, I feel really uncomfortable because I don't think it's an acceptable way to behave. It's not how I want to behave. And ultimately he got angry and said, well, you have high expectations of me and I don't want to be your friend anymore. And I'm like, that's fine, but this is how I want to live my life. And so as men who are doing the work, we really need to be brave enough to go call other men out and say, Hey man, and it might not be even calling out. It's like, Hey, it's coming from a place of kindness, right? And saying to him, is everything all right with you? You know, I had coffee with a mate the other day and he was so angry about this group of people. And I kind of just let him vent it. And then afterwards I said, man, like what, what's going on there, man? You know, like did something happen? Are you okay? Like you really seemed upset about, about this situation, you know, but it didn't, it come out as anger. Right. So, and in the end, he, anyway, I don't know what was going on for him, but it wasn't anything to do with that. He was just angry and he just wanted to be angry and I'm like okay so the kind of there'll be conversations over the next few times that we get together around hey man like this is this is kind of how I want to operate in life I, I want to be around people who are calm and etc cetera, etc cetera. like what is, what is looking calm like in your life look for you you know because like when we're together in a social situation it's not calm so what does the rest of your life look like you know, it's kind of having been brave enough to have those conversations because sometimes, you know, we can look in the mirror and we can't really see what's wrong. Sometimes it needs to be highlighted for us, which is what comes back to you, what you said before, you know, do we need an extreme situation to cause us to end up making changes? You know, I think what we can do is we can get ourselves in uncomfortable situations, you know, sacred sons in America, that's what they do. They put people in uncomfortable situations WA men's gathering, that's going to put people in uncomfortable situations. So it's kind of creating opportunity for yourself to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then that's where the growth comes. Get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. That's important. And so do you think that people come to you now as someone that's been through a major process in finding out who they are and, and now you're, quite comfortable with yourself, I imagine, um, or you seem to be, uh, in an ability to be able to put that in that work into other people now as a coach. What do you think that people come to you like these guys that sit around uh, having a coffee with you or whatever that are still visibly angry with whatever it is? Uh, do you think that's kind of like them trying to reach out to you in a, in a way? They don't really know how to ask for help, but they're just 
subconsciously they're like, oh, I'll catch up for coffee with Corey and, and I'll just sort of act a bit like I'm angry and then maybe he'll, he'll help me or ask to help me or do you think that's yeah. just... Maybe most of the guys that reach out to me and ask me for a coffee, like they know that the, they know that I operate with transparency, right? So I'm just going to be open and honest about what's going on in my life. And I ask questions that go beyond the, you know, so I've got a mate who just had a daughter and his wife had depression after the birth of their first child, you know, like how are things good? I go, well, that's not the answer to the question, right? <laughs> and he goes, oh, you're asking about this. And I go, yeah, well, what's going on there? Things are good, right? But you need to ask the question to get the answer. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of, so this, I don't think so. In this particular instance, I think lots of guys reach out to me because they're having difficulties in their life mm. and they want to have open conversations, absolutely. Yeah, good. But But, yeah, in this particular instance, I don't think that was the... In that, this instance, I just ran into that guy in a cafe. Like we just were in the cafe at the same time together. It wasn't like a hmm. a planned let's get together with Corey thing. Yeah, okay. Because I think that's yeah. I, I think there's there's something to be said for um, you know, potentially having. I know like Are You Okay Day and and Don Blue and all that have all those tools. If you go onto their website, you can get. I think there's an app too that Beyond Blue have the way you can ask. Uh, questions you know what how do they create a conversation for you and where to where to go and get um you know from where to organize it how to ask the question to get someone to that you're starting to think may be having some issues and and they basically plan out that conversation for you but there's people have got to actually get onto that website or get an app to actually have those conversations so there's something to be said i think for even if there's like one or two people that are in your friendship network that have gone through the work. Like it's, I mean, it's, I suppose it's just the five people that you spend the most time with type of thing, isn't it really? Yeah. People that are in your circle that have gone through the work and done the work on themselves, bring them to your, to your barbecues or bring them to the coffee shop where you can start those conversations and have more than a surface level conversation. It's important, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely important. And the thing is, right, the number one thing that I hear from from most of my friends is that if I don't organ, not I'm not speaking about myself, I'm speaking in generality here, they all say if I don't organise it, then people don't catch up and then they don't organise it because they feel like they're the only one organising it. And I feel like this often as well. But I take ownership of, I guess for me, is that I'll, we know how our friends behave on social media, right, and we know how they behave when they're with us. If they're, if they're in our circle of five, then we should absolutely know the ins and outs of their life, right? Mm-hmm. And you can tell when someone's not doing... So I've got a mate who runs a running group, right? And if he's not on that group posting, there's something going on in his life. Mm-hmm. So it's like... it's it's no We all live in patterns, right? Basically, we, we live in patterns. If someone breaks their pattern, something's wrong. So they've either made a change for the better or something's going wrong negatively in their life. And when I, I guess I, I just kind of observe those patterns, you know. So when someone has a baby, the pattern changes. Someone's selling a business, they change the patterns. So I kind of reach out to people who have change in my friend network going on in their, going on in their life, you know, because, you know, we're meant to be community, right? And community is not really sitting sitting at home on your own going, I'm lonely because no one reaches out to me. So my point would be, you feel lonely because no one reaches out to you. What's stopping you, the audience, from reaching out to someone? Like I would put a challenge out to you, the audience, to ask someone out for a coffee or to catch up with someone they haven't seen recently that they consider to be a good friend. Why do we let time slip between... We're all busy, I get it, but, you know, we can create space once a month, once a fortnight. It's about creating space for those for those interactions. So if you're feeling lonely, what can you do about it? Ring someone up and go and have a go and have a meeting. Some men don't have anyone, so we have men's circles that men come to and go, I have no friends. So we have conversations about how do they create friendships, you know, join a sporting club. You know, if you like throwing darts, throw darts, go to the footy 
there's, there's, there's the thing is with the internet, right? We have no excuse for being lonely, really. Mm. You know, because there's and everything is available at our at our fingertips. You know, we have more opportunity to socialise for sporting clubs, for rock climbing, indoor rock climbing, gyms. Like, just find your community, and if it doesn't work, go find another community, and go find another community until you find find a community. That's one of the number one things I do when I work with men is that I help them find a community. Mm. And it's it's when people say to me. Oh, Facebook and social media is ruined. You know, it's now antisocial. You know, like to it's it sort of baffles me because I suppose it's just for me it 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 can be it can be an amazing place and it is for for the, the circles that I travel in anyway. It creates it's created connection, especially for you know I'm in Karatha, so it's you know it's, it's regional, not remote, but it's regional. And there's plenty of remote places around uh, around the. Pilbara and the Kimberley especially that social media is the only place you can really connect with someone especially when they're well not connect with someone entirely but it's the place to start when everybody else has come from somewhere else to work in like a resources town they don't know each yeah. other so it's a matter of finding going on social media and finding the basketball club or the darts club or the bowling club or whatever it might be and then finding out when they when they play and then going out there and then that's when you start that connection and so it's it's um, for me social media is um a massive massive positive in our in our lives at the moment it's just how you use it yeah it's just how you use it right so if you if you want to focus on the negative and go oh i'm following donald trump and i'm following kim kardashian and social media is not serving the world mm. yeah what are you giving attention to right what you give attention to is what you get back. So if you're given, you're commenting on, like you're being a keyboard warrior and you're getting into arguments with people on the internet, then inevitably social media is going to be terrible. But if you're putting positive videos out there and people are messaging you saying, hey man, I really resonated with that video and then you have a 20 minute backwards and forwards conversation. Now I've got a guy in America who I'm moderator on another group called The Conscious Man and he had a guy who was harassing him who wanted him to date him and he was a married guy and he didn't know how to have the conversation with him. So I kind of coached him through that process. That guy, three or four times a week, will send me a message, hey, Corey, how are you? Nice. Like, that's, that's how he uses social media, right? I don't, I don't know this guy at all, right? But I feel like he's a friend. Mm-hmm. We have conversations, you know? Over the last three months, he's lost 20 kilos at a CrossFit gym. Awesome from having conversations with me in messenger, you know? So it's, yeah, it is what you put into it, right? If you, mm. if you feed it positive, positive energy and you pour your heart into it, then you're going to get, you're going to get that back. If you pour toxicity into it, you're going to get that back. You know, but like you said, man, Google or Facebook, the local darts group or local rock climbing or local dance club or, whatever whatever you're into when do you guys train oh we train on this day you know oh okay come down and you know do a two-week trial at a gym and see if you like it find mm. the community grab a mate and go to a gym and train whatever you know there's there's a hundred different ways you can connect and engage with people you know i go ocean paddling with one guy i go bike riding with another guy i sit and have coffee with another guy it's all about doing different things right and then you have different friends in different spaces. You have your ocean paddling mate, you have your bike mate, you have your coffee mates. Mm-hmm. You work in the gym, so you have people at the gym who are your customers that become friends. You know, but they're not necessarily in your inner five, but they become these networks of of your community, right? Mm-hmm. That you kind of tap into. Yeah, I think the 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 toxic uh, the people that you have in social media that are toxic. Are the same, the same scenarios are in your real life too. You can you can have a toxic circle of friends or environment that you're in a, in the in the workplace or in the town that you live in, and it's the same sort of this. You're going to have the same emotions associated with that as if you would be following toxic things like Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump. Um, we can say that because they're not going to listen to this, and <laughs> and we won't get sued. But like. It's the same, I suppose, the same thing. Like if you, I mean, Facebook algorithms are, are awesome to use to, if you use them to your advantage. Like if you search for videos, if you, if you start following certain people on Facebook, 
or Instagram or whatever it is, you're going to start getting, Facebook's going to go, this guy likes positive stuff. I'm going to send more positive stuff to him. And, you know, it's, it's a really simple process. But same in yeah. that if you can find those, those groups of people out in your, in your town as well, then and start surrounding yourself with those people, then you're going to have, you won't have that tox, toxic relationships in your day-to-day life as well, which is going to make you happier. It's going to help you learn how to be happier. It's, it, you know, it's all those, all those really positive things that we want to have in our lives. So yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a, I think we went on a little bit of a tangent there on, on social media, but it's important. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's how we can connect with people in the minute when we need it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's a powerful tool. I had a guy in my group last night and he's like, you know, because of this group, I was down in the local park and someone was walking their dog and I just said, hey, I'm starting a WhatsApp group for the local community so we kind of know what's going on and what's happening in the local area. Um, are you interested in being on it? There's 28 people in that group now. You know, they all kind of live in the same street. Awesome. They all, it goes, they know like who they are, what their names are, who their kids are, when they're going away, mm-hmm. if an alarm goes off something happened somewhere like it's creating this community hub and that's social media essentially isn't it right yeah. being used in the perfect scenario yeah connection with your community hey um yeah. i've got i've got a couple more questions here that i just wanted to um touch on before i know you've got some things on and and my kids are obviously just in the other room as you saw pop in there before yeah. um the in-laws are over from canada so um we've got we've got some help today which is good but nice. you touched on something earlier and it's around um, you had a conversation with a guy who said that he's, uh, you've got too much of a high expectation on him. And so should we have high expectations on ourselves or is that putting too much stress on us as well? well we shouldn't have expectations at all for, on anything. And I don't have any expectations on this guy. Like I just say... So I just said to him, my preference is that when I'm around you that you don't treat waitresses poorly or whatever whatever it is, however he behaves. And if he chooses not to do that, then I can choose not to hang out with him, essentially. So, But I, I frame with nearly everyone I coach is that we shouldn't have expectations, we should have preferences. So we should prefer for something to happen. And if it doesn't, that's okay, you know. Um, I actually read a phrase this morning, you know, we never live up to our expectations. We live up to our level of training. Mm. So if you want to improve, train, (laughs) essentially, you know. So expectations don't serve us at all. You know, we can have a preference for this is how I would like to go in this situation, but if it doesn't work out, that's okay, you know. So that's kind of my view on expectations. Mm. So, yeah, essentially the... The preference is that you're continually learning and you there's the expectation is almost like a um like a ceiling you know you and when you hit that then what whereas if i'm hearing it correctly the the idea is that if you continue we're continuing to learn so there's it's if something doesn't happen and our preference was that it should happen then we're going, all right, so why didn't it happen? We process it. And then maybe it's, it's then starting to dig deep into and to, to learn about why it didn't happen and, and make it a better choice next time or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's right. Like the thing is like with um, perfection, right? I had a nine-year-old and I, we were playing basketball and he's out the front. He's just like fanatical about it. And I said, oh, practice makes perfect. And he goes, no, 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 it doesn't. Practice makes progress. Mm-hmm. So we had no, this is nine-year-old kid. He had no expectations of perfection, right? Practice awesome. makes progress. Yeah. Every day is a learning day, right? He knew that if he went out and he took 100 shots every morning, that he would improve. And then when it comes to pressure time in the game, he would be more likely to make the shot than not make the shot. Excellent. So, Growth mindset from that age, pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing, man. Amazing. All right, so one more question for you, and this is um, this has tripped up a couple of people on a, on, a, on this podcast, and I've I've only this will be the third time I think that I've asked this question, and I think you know sort of select the people that I think would be able to come up with something pretty impressive, and so I'm, I'm building it up because I think you're wearing a Captain America T-shirt there, so I think you're uh, you're ready for the challenge. 
Right, so you're in Perth. So say the Optus Stadium had full capacity and it was halftime at the footy and there, everyone's attention was drawn to one billboard or the screen and you had the opportunity to put a message on that screen for everybody. What is it? Like 70,000 people at Optus Stadium, something like that. For those people to see it, what would your message be to them? Be kind to yourself. Awesome. That's fitting because today's World Kindness Day. Is it? There you go. Yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> be kind to yourself. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Excellent. That's it. Well, that's it. And that's, yeah. And then that goes out to everybody else. Everybody else can see that. Share it around. Excellent. Yep. Hey, mate, thanks a lot for your time today. I really appreciate it. Um, how can the guys that are listening to this get in touch with you if, uh, if they liked your message or just want to just wanna have a yarn with you? Um, oh, they can just PM me on my on my Facebook page or I've got the side-by-side initiative is my Facebook group. And then I've got a men's group called the circle of men, which is basically just an exclusive men's group. So, but I pretty much share 90% of what I share in my group. I share in your group and I share in super dads and a couple of other groups. I've kind of just got these network groups that I just share into. So, mm. but yeah, that's basically you, if you see one of my posts or you can put my Facebook link in the, in the, in the notes and if someone wants to message me I'm more than happy to have a conversation if they want to go a bit further with anything and uh, yeah again mate appreciate your time and we'll talk to you soon awesome man thanks cheers so there you have it matey what'd you think of that now it's over to you to put the hard yards in and take action and there's no better way to do that by keeping the momentum So remember, there is no I in team. So get around your mates and look after each other. Don't go at this life alone. So continue the yarn inside the Dad's Only private Facebook group. There's a bunch of top blokes in there, mate, so get amongst it. Big thanks to Stanley Francis for providing the music. And for all the show notes and to see everything else that we do on the Australian Dads Network, visit our website, www.australiandadsnetwork.com.au. So until next week, my name's Liam Sorrell. CEO and founder of the Australian Dads Network. Have a great one. Hooroo.